You're not gonna you're not gonna be blind, and I'm gonna be a narrator. I'm gonna help, you know, direct the action a little bit here. But I need three people. I need three volunteers. Does anybody want to be a part of a skit? Tanner, Cam, <laughs> Ellie, Amber, Blessing, Celso, maybe Tom. <laughs> Ellie, okay, we got one. Anybody else want to join Ellie? Trina? Okay, we got Trina. <laughs> All right, we need one more. Who else wants to be in the skit? Anybody else? Elaine? Perfect, okay. So there's three roles. I'll let you choose. There's a waiter, a cook, and a customer. Ellie, which one do you want to be? Waiter, cook, or customer? Customer. You want to be the customer. Perfect. How about you? you All right. There's your paper. Your lines are highlighted. Okay. You one of you want to be the waiter or the cook? Which I'll one? be the one with the least amount of lines because I'm blind. Okay. You're the cook. Okay. And you're the waiter. Great. <laughs> Congratulations. All right. Now come up here. I'm going to get you ready a little bit. Uh, up there, you'll find an apron for the cook. Okay. Ellie. You're going to stay right down there for now. You guys are going to have to talk loud enough so everybody can hear. No. <laughs> All right. Are you guys ready? You guys ready? All right, Ellie, you're gonna have to read loud. All right? So the scene opens up on a beautiful afternoon where the customer is on her lunch break looking forward to a nice meal. The customer says this as she approaches the restaurant. I'm so hungry and waiting all morning for this lunch. I heard this place is some of the best food in the city. As the customer walks up to the restaurant, the waiter notices her and says with an annoyed tone in her voice. Miss, you want to come in to our restaurant? Come on in. How many is in your party today? Just me. Wow, you can have a seat right over there. The waiter, who obviously doesn't want to deal with the customer, walks over to have a conversation with the cook, and the waiter says to the cook, yeah, go over on that side. That's great. <laughs> Sorry. So, the waiter says to the cook, Can you believe people these days? They always want to eat. What are they thinking coming in here on a weekday trying to get some lunch? Oh, I totally agree. Why can't people just go a day without eating? As the waiter and the cook continue to talk to each other, the customer starts to wonder, but they've forgotten about her. So she says, Excuse me, waiter, can I get some water? The waiter replies, I'm a little busy right now. The customer looks around and sees no one else in the restaurant and says, Busy, I'm literally the only one in this place. The cook then decides to pipe up because she also is annoyed that someone would actually have the audacity to come in for lunch. You heard the guy, he's busy get to you, gets to you. The customer is taken back 
Don't surprise me. The customer is taken back by the quick coldness. The customer can hardly believe what she's hearing. The customer then notices that there is literally nothing on the table. There are no cups, no silverware, no napkins, and in fact, she begins to notice that this restaurant looks more like a church than a restaurant. Before she can say anything about the unusual surroundings, the waiter comes up and takes a seat across the table from the customer with a bottle of water in her hand. The customer then says, Hey, thanks for the water. The narrator, or <laughs> the waiter, looks at the customer dead in the eyes without blinking, and then takes a drink of water while staring straight into her eyes. <laughs> Once again, the customer is confused by the unusual behavior. You can look a little surprised and weirded out. That's perfect. <laughs> the customer says to the or the customer says to the waiter, Do you guys have at least have a menu? The cook yells out from the kitchen, Not today! You get whatever I make you. <laughs> The cook begins to hit pots and spoons together to make cooking sounds. You can start hitting the spoon and the pot together. Yeah. <laughs> At this point, the waiter leaves the bottle of water on the table and gets up from the table to go make small talk with the cook. As the customer is waiting for the food, she again looks around and notices that this place looks more like a church than it looks like a restaurant. The customer is also unsettled because she notices that her thoughts are being projected in a loud voice and that a bunch of people are staring at her. The waiter once again interrupts the customer's unsettling train of thought by bringing over a plate with only one sandwich on it. The waiter once again takes a seat across from the table, across the table from the customer. <laughs> and without messing a beat, the waiter looks straight into the customer's eyes and takes a bite of the sandwich. <laughs> the customer can no longer hold back her rage and stands up from her chair and says, Are you kidding me? What kind of place is this anyway? First of all, there was nothing on this table when I got here. Then you walked away without so much as taking my drink order. Then you have the audacity. Yes, right in front of me. Then you say there are no menus today and I can only eat what the cook decides to make. Then after all of that, you come back here and eat right in front of me. The waiter, unamused and unaffected by the customer's outburst, just stares back at her and says in a calm voice, You want a bite? <laughs> the customer, completely done with this experience, throws her hands up in the air and walks away. Walk away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got it. Yeah, you just left the restaurant. Give him a round of applause. <laughs> Thank you guys. I got water in a sandwich, actually.
Yeah, yeah. It has some of Aaron's homemade jelly on it. It's a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I think you're wrong. <laughs> you get what you choose. You're right. <laughs> yeah, choices. I hope that you guys all had a little fun watching our little skit this morning. But there is a point to all of this. It's not just for fun. It would be unusual, to say the least, if we walked into a restaurant and had that experience, right? right? If you were the customer and you walked in. It would be weird if the waiter and the cook ignored you and they didn't even talk to you. It would, it would be weird if they ate and drank right in front of you, especially when you don't have any food or drink. It would be weird because that's not what's supposed to happen, right? You see, the name waiter has in its job description that they wait on you, that they serve you, that they do their job, and they take care of you before they take care of themselves. For example, let's say it was time for a waiter to go on a lunch break, right? They're working a long shift, so they're going on a break. They need to take care of you, make sure you have what you have before they go on a break. Maybe have someone else come and take care of your table or something like that. That is how proper service works, taking care of the important things first. And Jesus tells us a similar story to what we find in our skit this morning in Luke chapter 17. If you would, go ahead and turn there with me. So while you guys are turning to your Bibles, I want to talk about while we're having this, why we are having this message this morning. So we're going to be looking at ministry. And we're going to be looking at what that means for a Christian. And we're talking about this today to help us get in the right headspace for next week when our guest speaker is going to come from Family Promise and share about the possibility of us ministering and us serving to our community. So we talked a little bit about the possibility, as I said, about at our congregational meeting last week. And we're not going to get into the details, but it is ministry. It's service. And it's something that we can do as a church. So we're going to be talking about ministry today, who is called, what it means, and what kind of responsibilities do we have in that? So back to Luke chapter 17. So Jesus is talking to his disciples here, and he says this to them. So which of you, I'm sorry, I'm in John 17. That's why I was looking at this. I was like, that's not the right thing. Ah, so much better. Okay. Which of you? Having a slave plowing or tending sheep will say to him when he comes in from the field, come immediately and sit down to eat. But he will not say to him, prepare something for me to eat and properly clothe yourself and serve me while I eat and drink and afterward you may eat and drink. He does not thank the slave because he did the, did the things which were commanded, does he? So you too, when you do all these things which are commanded you, say we are unworthy slaves we have done only that which we ought to have done. So what is Jesus talking about in this parable? Why does he tell his disciples about the story of the servant coming in and, and serving food? Well, first of all, this servant is working for the master. That's the first thing we need to do. And it's time for dinner. And so what is expected of this, this servant is for them to come in, get ready, clean up a little bit from working in the field, and prepare the master some food. And then once the servant's job is taken care of, they can take care of themselves. It's not like the master's just expecting them to go hungry, right? It's obvious that the, the servant needs to 
stay alive and eat and take care of themselves, but only after taking care of the master first, only after following through on the master's commands. And after all this, the servant does what they're supposed to. Are they supposed to be thanked? Are, are they doing something above the ordinary? No. That's why the word unworthy is used here. And that has a kind of a negative connotation in our society, but it's something without merit, right? It's not something that uh, deserves commendation or something that goes above and beyond the duty. So it's not saying like, oh, you are worthless, like you have no value at all. It's just saying you've done what you're supposed to, so you, don't, you didn't go above and beyond your duty. You, you were faithful and serving. So why is Jesus telling us this parable? It's because Jesus is saying that he's the master and that we're the servants. And that we take care of what we're supposed to do first for him, and then we take care of ourselves. That the, mas- that the, master's, that the master's commands come before our own priorities. And it's important to serve him before we serve ourselves. And that's, I think, the really important part of the equation in this parable, is that we serve him before we serve ourselves. And when we inverse that, we get what we had in the skit this morning, right? Where the waiter and the cook serve themselves before they take care of the customer. That's just out of order. It's not right. And we can see that, and we would be mad if we were in that situation. So we can understand where Jesus is coming from. He says, if, if I'm your master, if I'm your Lord... Take care of what I need done first. And then you take care of yourselves. And in fact, he promises that he'll take care of us if we're obedient. So that leads us to ask ourselves, how do we serve Jesus? What are we supposed to do? Matthew 25 kind of gives us some inclination. There's a lot of commands in the New Testament of things that Jesus asks us to do. But this is a very literal way, a physical way that Jesus asks us to serve him. It's Matthew 25, 34 through 40. You can open your Bibles there, or I got it up here on the screen for you. He says, the king will say to those on his right, this is talking about the end of the age, come, you who are blessed in my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? The king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. Jesus is telling us to meet others' needs, and when we do, it is as if we are serving the needs of our master. So when we come in from the field and we're tired and we're worn out, we serve the master first, right? We take care of what his commands are. And just like in the parable that Jesus told, we are the servants. He is telling us to take care of the people around us, to to seek the needs of other people. And it's a calling that's on all of our lives. It's a life of ministry. And I'm sure that you've heard people, have you ever heard someone who said they're called to ministry? 
or a calling to ministry, right? You guys have heard that before. Oftentimes, what do we think? We think a pastor, right? Or a missionary, or maybe like some other kind of paid staff. Someone who is going into a already created position, who is going in to serve and get paid for. That's usually what we think of ministry. But what ministry actually is, is a lifestyle. The word for ministry is diakonia in Greek, right? And that's the word, every single time you see ministry, that's the word that's behind it. And it's translated ministry, but what it actually means is to serve. Like literally, like a waiter or someone who does something. It has this connotation especially of executing command of someone else. Ministry is service. And yeah, that can be a pastor, that can be a worship leader, but it doesn't have to be. And I think the, this idea will change our lives when we start thinking about ministry differently. Because ministry isn't something reserved for paid staff. It isn't something reserved for a position that's already made, like a Sunday school teacher or an elder or something like that. Those are certainly ministries in and of themselves, definitely. But that is not the biblical definition of a ministry. It's not an already created position that you get put into. It's actually something that you do based off what God gives you. God gives you a talent or money or a gift, and he expects you to serve others with what he gives you. That's what ministry is. It's, it's a simple idea. And from what I've gathered, it boils down into something like this. Serving others with, with the gift that God has given you in obedience to his commands. Serving others with the gifts that God has given you in obedience to his commands. It isn't complicated. It isn't very complex. But it isn't easy either. Because it requires us to take an inventory of what God has given us. We need to understand what position God has placed us in. We need to understand if, our, if we have extra time or money or we have a special talent or a gifting from the Holy Spirit. We need to figure out what those things are so that we know how to use them. And then we need to know what God actually wants us to do, which requires studying his word and learning about him and listening to the commands of his son, Jesus. And then it takes us looking for opportunities to use those gifts and to follow through on those commands. It's kind of a multi-step process, and it requires a lot on us, even though it's simple to explain. Oh, yeah, we use what God gives us to serve others. But actually executing it is quite difficult. So let's see what we've learned today and how maybe that can change what we think about ministry. I think one of the big things that we need to wrap our heads around is that ministry is not a paid position. Ministry is simply service. In Acts 6, there's a story where um, there's food rations being distributed and some of the widows are, are not being treated fairly from another group. Uh, inside of the church. And the word used for serving that food is the same word for ministry. Ministry, in a biblical sense, is serving others in pursuit of the kingdom, in pursuit of the gospel. And our culture uses ministry and a minister in the context of a pastor or elder or paid position, but that's not how the New Testament talks about it. The New Testament says that ministry is the practical, physical, daily efforts of believers to help others in their lives. That's what ministry is. 
And it could be serving food to someone. It could be stacking chairs. It could be visiting someone in the hospital or lending a bed to someone for a night or just making a phone call. That is the beautiful thing about ministry is that it can be done by anyone, anywhere, anytime. Which leads us to point number two and answers our question, who is called? Everyone is called to ministry. It's not just for a specific individual who wants to be a pastor. You will notice that in our passages today, that nowhere in those passages were there requirements put on who follows the commands of Jesus and who serves. They didn't say men only or women only or someone of a certain age or someone of a certain education. The only qualification that Jesus puts on serving him is calling him a master, is calling him our Lord. And if we are willing to make Jesus the master of our lives, then that automatically signs us up to do what he wants us to do. And clearly, some of those things he wants us to do are to provide service and need to other people. So who's called to ministry? We all are called to ministry. And it's a true calling, a specific calling, because Jesus asks us personally to do these things and to look for ways to serve others, which leads us to point number three. We need to keep our eyes open for these opportunities. Once we start looking for opportunities to minister and to serve, they will start popping up all over the place. And obviously we are limited people. We have limited money and time and energy, so we can't serve everyone, right? I cannot do everything. Amber cannot do everything. Steve cannot do everything to everyone. But that means we can't neglect service when we can do it either. Just because we can't serve everyone doesn't mean we don't serve some. So we need to be looking for our opportunities that we can And it's also important that we do not neglect the pursuits, the the heart behind ministry, which is the gospel, which is God. So we can't just help people without leaving behind the spiritual stuff, or that just becomes philanthropy. That just becomes giving, which is a good thing. It's not a bad thing, but it's not the same as service, because service has the heart behind it, that you're doing this as a command of Jesus, and that you're trying to show people who God is through that. And like I said, there are a lot of different ministries and acts of service. But we need to be keeping our eyes open for the opportunities. And I think Family Promise might be one of those opportunities. I think given our resources, both financially and physically, with this building, and I think given our passions and our gifts, we may be well-suited for this opportunity that's before us. For over 300 days a year, think about it, for over 300 days a year, this building goes essentially unused. Right? It just sits here. What great blessing could we do with this space? Can we use it other times? Can we, can we put the money and the time and effort we put into using this building, can we use it for God's ministry in another way? Just a question. So I'm looking forward to having Kelsey, that's her name, from Family Promise here next week to share about the opportunity of Family Promise. So this week, what I want you to do is to be praying about it. I want you to be praying about where God is leading us and what he wants us to do, not just with family promise, but in general. How do we follow obediently in ministry? I think we may find some more open opportunities before us soon, if we really pray that way, which means we got to really be ready to do it. 
And we serve a great God, and we serve our Lord Jesus. And they both want us to be ministers, every single one of us, to serve, to take care of people. Because when we love people with the love that God has given us, we help lead people to the true healer, the one who can not only provide for the physical needs, but also the spiritual needs. Let's pray. God, I just pray that you lead us and direct us as we try to serve in a way that honors you and pleases you. Allow us to see the opportunities. Allow us to have the correct heart when we're serving. Let us take inventory of what you've given us so that we can use it for you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.